1: I'm Samuel Mann, I'm in central Dunedin, and I'm joined by Mawera Karatai, who is from Fakatani. But she's not in Fakatani, she's sitting beside me.
0: Yes, I am. It's lovely to be here in not sunny Dunedin, Sam. Not sunny.
1: It was sunny before. (laughs)
0: Uh Sure.
1: (laughs) And today, also sitting beside us, so this is a triple first, uh, we have Hank
2: Root. Welcome, Hank. Oh, thanks, Sam. Thanks, Moira. It's, uh, it's great to be here, and as you say, not so sunny Dunedin. <laughs> but at least it's spring, and it's a bit warmer, which is great. Yeah.
1: Moira didn't bring a jacket or a jumper on her agree. trip from Pakistan, no. and she has not been cold yet.
2: Well, That's when true. are you going back?
0: I'm going back on Saturday.
2: Well, Dan the man said... Sunday is when it hits so you're just out of here in time <laughs> that's a
0: good thing I'd forgotten about it every time I come oh, south I think oh I must remember to pack a jersey and it's yeah. always so warm like I left Fakatani this morning at about quarter to five and um and it was about maybe 15 degrees mm. so I just wore a t-shirt and yeah so I no take jersey the weather
1: with you yeah <laughs> it's a good song about
2: that Indeed. so Hank how has your bubble life been my bubble life has been um, an interesting one, Sam, because I went into surgery just two weeks before the first lockdown uh, on my foot, and I came out and I went straight into my little bubble because I could move nowhere. Then I got locked down. and I said, "Well, nothing new to see here," and I just kept going, you know. And other people were going, "Oh, we're in lockdown. We can't travel anywhere." I go, oh, that's good. Now you feel what it feels like, you know. And then it just kept going, and. Uh, as things change, you get used to it. You you change a few things, but for the rest, it's been the same as ever before, I think. The one thing that is not the same is my ability to actually go somewhere, like Australia, to see my son. Um, or go back uh, to South Africa to see my mum, who's not that well. So you start to think about those things, but for the rest, it is pretty much life in Dunedin. You're live in Brighton and that, uh, that way?: No, I'm up in Mary Hill, oh okay. on that side of town. yes, so did you get out once your foot recovered? Did you get out and do some walking? Not that much. Um, no, I had I had no reason to really go and <laughs> walk that far because all my equipment is in my house, my my office is in my house, and I was really looking forward to the the point where I could maneuver myself. Uh, over to this spot here at, at uh, the Polytech so that I could ac- actually meet up with other people and just have a conversation that's not just me and a Zoom screen. And did you carry on working? Yes, just kept on going. And the, the, the lovely thing was that I had, before this, I had already had uh, a lot of these technologies going, like Zoom, a thing called High uh, Five from the States, Blue Jeans. I have an office here in Dunedin, uh, had that going, Google, etc. So for me, it was just a question of finding out the people that I wanted to interact with, which of these platforms would be the best one for them and for the situation, and then just fire it up. The only thing that I got extra was, was a proper microphone. So Because I, th- I realized over the past six years, the most important thing about these things is the sound. Not so much the video, but the sound. If you can't hear people, that's not good.
1: And you were talking to people around New Zealand, uh, wider
2: uh, around the world. Yeah, I, I spoke to people in Los Angeles, um, San Diego, um, in Finland, in Sweden, South Africa, and then obviously around around oh and Australia, and then around New Zealand, North and South Island. Yeah,
1: and you do work. The same as the rest of us talking to people doing their professional practice researching what it is that they're doing, how are your learners finding the, the the changes that's happening to their practice?
2: I think initially it was you could see it was hard for people. they were used to having that close interaction with with individuals and going places to sit down with a facilitator for example, like in the North Island and so on they would go and sit with someone uh, then they realized no it, it has to be done through this. Platform, um, and it became a bit difficult for them to manage uh, the interface. You know, just just getting comfortable speaking through the thing. Um, And at the same time, I rely heavily on people's body language to see if they heard what I said. And it's not always that easy to see or to experience that body language through a thing like Zoom. But after a while. You find ways and means of using double screens to get bigger pictures, to see what people are doing. And people get got more used to getting closer to screens and interacting with it. Um, but you could see people starting to get lonely. Because the conversations would drift into all sorts of things, you know, off topic. And I just decided that's if that is what is required, that's what's required, you know. And then you remind them, by the way, this is not a bad thing write this up because this is happening while you're working while you're thinking about all of this why did you think about these things why why is this now so important rather than some other stuff you know so and it also got me to reflect on things that were more important than i anticipated i guess
1: we been trying to avoid using the word pivot, but I've forgotten the other one, pirouette. Pirouette, pirouette yes. <laughs> is better than pivot.
2: Yes, it, it sounds arty. It sounds like there's <laughs> skill involved. Pivot just sounds like I don't know.
1: So, have people been doing that kind of dance in the the work that they're doing? Are, are people reporting about how their their work is changing?
2: Yeah, yeah, it is happening. I think initially people were reluctant to talk about that. They would, they wanted to sort of. Keep things going as it is, as it was. But after a while, I think all of us realize that the world has now changed. Just like nine eleven changed things, this has changed things, um, and we, just like big world wars, change things. We will have a different way of living and interacting with people. So, and as people get used to that, I think you know they, you can see them adopting things and trying to bring it into their work practice. It's not always that easy. I I think the the IT the information technology industries they just keep going. In fact, they just got overloaded. What
1: what ways does it change things?
2: For for the IT? No, in general. Uh, in you said general. It's a changed world. I think, you know, the way that we interact. We we were so used and I think that's something that I enjoyed about New Zealand, the fact that we could be close. You could walk down the street in Dunedin and you could smile at people and see them and interact with them, give them a hug. You know, you know, and these days you see there's a hesitancy. And and I think that might remain for a while. Uh, so that's on that level, the social level. But I think in the workplace as well, uh, people have now discovered that it is in fact possible to work remotely, effectively, to manage their time uh, between, say, eight And five or six or seven, uh, and not get burnout, uh, screen burnout, etc., and to manage things that way. And now suddenly, I think um, those that provide the jobs and the environments are also seeing that there is a there is another way. It's uh, things didn't fall apart because people worked remotely. I think that's a good thing.
1: Why was it such a barrier before? People have been saying we should be doing that before and. But somehow we didn't, or or it was always
2: always too hard. I think all of a sudden it turns out we can do this stuff. Mm, I think it's, you know, the shepherd wants to see the flock. Um, And now, okay, I can't see the flock, but the flock is there somewhere and I can access them. They don't have to be within touching range. Um, Oh, it's okay now. So, you know, it's a different... I think people have, have understood that control... Um, is not the same as, as uh, you know, management and other things and, and I think in the past it was about control I need to control the hours that people are at work because if they're not at work they're doing something else not necessarily so people have been given the proof that this could work some people work better in, a, in, a, in an environment like an office type environment where they can interact with people and others can work equally effectively at a distance and I think that the, the opportunity space is now for us to to work with those those modes that fit people better.
1: Let's take "Stars" by Shapeshifter.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh.
3: Flame. If I never had this high, I wouldn't feel this way. Some say we went too far, they don't understand our game. If you were to take my hand, I wouldn't change a thing.
1: To have a business called Stars.
2: Stars to stars I to still stars. have it. Stones. Stone to stars. Yes. So
1: you've done work in that sort of business development. Yes. Space. Yes.
2: Yeah. Strategy, business development, um, developing decision type models uh, and so on. Um, it's it's not the easiest of businesses to be in because everybody believe that they can make good decisions by themselves. You know, why would they need tools for that or use more modern ways of thinking. But the reality is um, we are faced with complex issues these days, things that take a bit more mental energy than what we're willing to give, don't you think?
3: Yeah.
2: We, we tend to be a bit lazy. So once we see or once we make up some linear causality, we say, oh, that's good enough, that's fine. You know, that's the decision. And we sort of think what will happen down the track. Oh, well, I can see it's all got to be Okay and we move on, and then we get struck by lightning two days down the track, and it didn't work out that well. Does it change our behavior? Not necessarily. So, so for me, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's, it's a hard game to play, but I think there are, in New Zealand, uh, more and more people realizing, especially in agriculture, if you want to, do, want to manage your farm properly, if you want to manage water properly and water quality properly, um, how do you do that? There are so many parameters and variables. Yes, you know your farm. Yes, you know your animals. You know the soil. You know all those things. But all these other bounding boxes are appearing around you. How do you deal with those? Uh, you know, and, and that's not always that easy. And there are levers that you can't see when you pull them, how they change things. So that's where we hope we can make a difference. And I've extended my business reach with... Uh, uh, an organisation in in Helsinki, uh, Polar Analytics, and we're trying to between Finland and here we have similar issues around water quality, waste management, and and farming, and so we're trying to find if, see if we can find things that we can bring together between these two places and maybe get a, a bigger place that we can have a market in. What does that
1: systems thinking view tell us about? How we can understand the pandemic, or how we've responded to it—is—is is there lessons about complexity, or perhaps uncertainty?
2: Mm. Yeah, I think the first thing is that you know we can we can debate for hours on uh, what is a good strategy for reacting or dealing with with something like COVID. Um, the first thing is that from from complexity theory and and the ethics around that is the you know it's it's important to do something. You can't just sit and wait to see what happens uh, and react. Reaction is not good, first of all, in complex environments. The first thing is to try and do something. The second thing is to consider what, what the consequences are of of doing something and, and then to say, well, if, even if the outcome looks not the best of outcomes, is to consider whether that outcome is better or worse than doing nothing. And I think that's what we've, what's we've what been demonstrated. You know, different countries, different places had different strategies. And we'll see how it pans out over time. But I have a funny feeling that we'll see that those people that were willing to do things, despite the fact that it might have slightly negative consequences, are going to be better off than those that did nothing and sort of just said, we'll see how it pans out.
1: Does that complexity make it too hard to to know whether or not Sweden's done it better than, than us or ha- how the different different yeah. countries have responded?
2: Yeah, the, I think, <laughs> yes, I've had this discussion on the weekend. I think it's, it, there's, there's, um, the differences are so big. The patterns are not that simple to find, and, and it's not that easy to to just say this one is better than that one. One must understand that Sweden is a, is a country, um, maybe, you know, sort of similar size, also the population density, except for maybe Göteborg and and Stockholm, very similar to what we have. But the thing is, they had a pandemic response plan that was based on their nuclear-era response plans. So they they had different ways of thinking about this, and they had done extensive modeling beforehand. So when this thing started coming through, they had patterns Mm -hmm. from the models that they could see and say, well, okay, it looks like this This thing is going to come to, to the fore, or that's happening. And so they could anticipate better than most other nations. And if they used that anticipatory knowledge to deal with it in the way that they had dealt with it, would that same strategy work for New Zealand? Unlikely. Because we would need to do something that is local to us, that uh, that understands where we sit on the planet. Our links in terms of trade is different to Sweden. You know, they sit with close, close to a massive trading block. We, we're not that close. So we need to think about a different way of doing things. But that anticipatory thinking and modeling is something that we could probably all adopt. And that's the only way, to my mind, that you can deal with the complexity and from a systems perspective, deal with complexity.
1: How could you build into those sort of models or that sort of thinking, the response of the community? Because I'm thinking that Sweden, like us, have got a kind of a, a collective attitude, that that we're not just in it for ourselves. We, we know how to behave for the betterment of society.
2: Yes, I think you, you have a lot of experience in, in Scandinavia with your visits there as well in the past. I think my experience with them is the same. Uh, Finland, Sweden, those, Norway, Denmark, even. Um, we we tend to have a, a responsible sort of approach to the society in general and how we how we think about our neighbours and and so on. So, and and we are compliant, more compliant than many. So you know, if if someone says, well, okay, this is the best way to go, we will mostly go. All oh, right, okay we'll check it out and see how it works out, you know. Obviously, if we're disappointed afterwards, we're very vocal about it, and I think that's, that's probably going to happen. But, yeah, I think we're very similar in that, in that instance, is that we, we comply easy, um, but we also care. And, and that's because it's, I think smaller nations tend to have that closer family-type approach.
1: And you say we, we say sort of okay, we check it out and 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 do it. And I wonder if it's also about a successful communication of science that mm. that the, the, it has been a science-based thing, but done in a way that hasn't been impenetrable for for ordinary people.
2: Yes, most likely. the 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 thing is also, you know, there are many voices. If you if you go into social media, you'll hear a range of voices that say, oh, well, this is nonsense. You know, it's, it's not being communicated well, or it's not been communicated from a scientific basis. The facts are not the facts. How do we know that these are the facts? Um, all of those things are good. You know, I have no problem with all those discussions. The reality is we have very little in terms of facts about something like this pandemic. It, you know, fact-based reasoning is a luxury. It is more about what is good for us right now versus can we wait for the facts to appear on the horizon. We have, don't have that time. We, we didn't know, for example, in January or February how this thing could pan out. We had ideas, but we didn't know much. Now what do you do? Wait for the facts to come to the fore. There are no real facts yet because we initially we were told masks no use. Then we were told masks great, you have to have it. Then we were told wash your hands 15 times a day because this spreads on surfaces. Now we're told it's actually more droplets than surface surfaces. We, we It almost feels like we're making it up as we go. No. We're discovering more and more about it as we go, and we need to be patient. That's the only way to react,
1: to my mind. And that's the very nature of science. It is.
2: Science works like that, you know, but people are not willing to wait for science. We've gotten used to the fact that you type in Google what to do next, and it tells you, remember the jacket for Dunedin. (laughs) 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 You know? Yeah.
0: Do you think that there's something that we're missing in teaching science in school? We have science, the kids it 's a compulsory subject, mm. so is there something that we 're missing? Are kids leaving school without that fundamentals of what science is about and about it being a, a process of growing knowledge and building layers of knowledge and
2: yeah you're right. All those things that you've said that 's the stuff that that science is all about. What is it that we, we often see, I, and I, I, don't, I can't say that I, that I know exactly what happens in the schools in New Zealand, but I do know what happens in other countries that, that I'm more familiar with. Science is often taught as, um, you know, these are the facts and you bring the facts together and then you build a bit of this, that, and whatever. And it's about experimentation and so on. But science is way more than that. And the English word science is limiting because it always implies the sciences of nature, the inanimate bits and pieces, mostly. You know? So when people talk about science, they think about the inanimate things. But there's um, uh, the, the German word, and I've mentioned this be- before, Wissenschaft, which is uh, about the knowledge, the things that we know. That is, that is also science. So we have many sources of knowledge. How do we integrate them? And maybe that's missing from, from science teaching is how to integrate different views of knowledge uh, to solve problems or to resolve issues. And not to expect that every problem that you face will have a singular solution.
0: It's interesting that you said just before about the experiment side and that just struck a chord with me because that was that's what I remember from science at school was experimenting. Mm. And if you look at all of the negative stuff that's in social media, that's what it is. Oh, they're experimenting. Nobody knows anything. They're, like you said before, making it up as they go along because all, we're all a big experiment. Yeah. That's, that's quite interesting, isn't it? So that that's might right. actually be the key to change, is yeah. to change the, the, the knowledge, the way that people view the science knowledge.
2: Brings us back to the systems view of things. You know, where we, where we really want to say, um, yes, there's that science of the inanimate, you know, and then there's the science of the social side, the, the world, um, thinking about the me, the I, the we, the place out there, and then all these other things around it that we can't see, the culture, etc. And thinking about those in terms of what we're facing. So when you look at COVID from that perspective, you suddenly go, oh, wait a second, we have cultural things that we can take into account? To, to deal with this, uh, we have our uh, uh, culture in New Zealand, we have our uh, bicultural status here, we have certain things that we can leverage that other countries just don't have to deal with us. That's science, isn't it? Mm. That's dealing with the knowledge that you have in a certain way, arguing for better outcomes for everybody. And isn't that what science teaches you? So I'm lucky as a physicist, um, you know, there was this idea when I was trained as a physicist, trained as a physicist, right, Um, that you go into physics somewhere. And I had a professor that said to us in in our fourth year, just remember, there are no jobs in physics in the world. You only live in in the university halls if you're a physicist, but uh, there are many jobs for problem solvers. And that's what we train you as, problem solvers. You understand how physics work uh, works, and, and uh, but you understand how to solve problems from that perspective. And the physics that that I was taught had an open perspective on possibilities uh, for for things to be very different to what you expect when you just look at it. And I think that has worked well for me. So, and it opened a worldview that is different from just experiments in a lab. You know, cooking up stuff and the evil monster jumps out.
1: (laughs) And experiments at school where they know what the answer is. So there's this presumption that somebody knows the answer, that you're not...
2: Yes, there's an answer. We just need to discover it. There are very few answers in the world. Very few simple ones. Um, And I think the the sooner we all realise that, the better for us. Um, There are better ways of doing things and better ways of, of dealing with things. But there are no simple answers out there. Not for the big, big hairy, audacious things that come our way. They they don't have simple answers. And and I was lucky enough, again, in, this, in that physics training, that in one of the experiments, you, you just sort of know what the answer is supposed to be, right? And I just kept on getting the wrong answer. Eventually, I wrote up the wrong answer. I went to my professor and said, I failed this stupid thing. Here's the, the report. I failed it because I couldn't get that answer. I all, I, we all know what it should be. You just sat back and said, Yeah, no, that's great, you got the right answer. I fiddled the the experimental setup every night to ensure that you couldn't get the right answer because, <laughs> you know, you need to to learn that sometimes there's something new, you know. So Don't it, expect it. So in terms of those those big
1: hairy audacious sorts of questions, mm. what lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic for the intergenerational problems, the the biodiversity collapse, or social injustice, and so on.
2: Mm. I, I don't know too much about the social injustice space. Uh, for me, it's a it's a very murky thing, and I've I've decided to st- to stand a bit back from that and deal with the things that I can deal with. Um, and I like to deal with the environment, for example. Um, I think what we've learned from this is that you can't fix everything. Um, and you can't fix it with simple approaches. You need to really think carefully when you tweak a big system like an ecosystem. We 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 know what we've done wrong. We can see the effects of that. We did it with the best intent. So, think about, you know, it's it's always good to look in hindsight. You can always think about history and hindsight and rethink it. That doesn't help us much. It still leaves us with stuff in the river. So, But we did it with the best intent. We thought we were doing okay. So now the problem is, you know, what are the things that we're doing now that we think will, well, we're really doing well now, that will come back to haunt us? How do we treat things better, keeping in mind that doing nothing is useless? That's not an option. So we need to do things, try to do it better, and put our minds to it. Now often we, and this comes back to the the science discussion, We try to think that there's there is an answer, there's a simple answer. If we just do this, it will fix that. Just go do it now. And then it doesn't, and then we go, do more of that. It doesn't work. Do even more. Throw money at it. Punish people. No. You know, because we probably don't we're probably not pulling the right levers in the right way. Levers being completely the wrong sort of metaphor here because there are no levers to be pulled in nature. You know, nature responds and and reacts in certain ways, and oftentimes unpredictable ways. So the climate is changing, um, and some of that might be our own doing, and some of it might not be, but I'm pretty sure we are not that sure about what's happening. Um, So, you know, we need to keep on thinking about these things and not take anything for granted
1: and not use it as an excuse for not doing anything and not
2: using it for an excuse to say stand back wait you know if we do nothing if we if we don't farm look we'll starve that's okay but just do nothing particularly if doing nothing means carrying on doing what we were doing that's the other side so just continuing doing what you're doing is also not a good thing because it, you can see where it got you bubble sprite of the forest of orakuni did favorite goddess tahu Mackenzie.
4: Kia ora koutou, nama ora hanauke, koutou, koutou koutou, ho hope all Happy stay beautiful universes. And I really hope that we you know that we're all on together. Very and illuminate for you, who you are. So I've had a very interesting course I'm very excited about it. I'm very grateful we are here together throughout. And we know that for very fortunate people here in aote need and we are now in level one which is just wonderful, and for those of us who are still in Level 2, I hope that you're going well, and i been very grateful that today Harvey Penfold has talked with me about all these transitions, that is quite hard, and for us feeling, for many of us, hard to do this. So I hope that for you, you are finding your feelings and supported, and that as we know, there are so many ways that we can focus on what we can do, opposed to what we can't, trying to feel that we can be vulnerable, we can share these feelings of tiredness and disappointment, frustration, sadness, and of course all these feelings can be telling us that where we're at in the cycle of creativity, it's time to take a step back and give the project that we're working on some space. And I think for everybody, having been moving through this global pandemic together, it is very tiring. And the changes that we've had to make are very tiring. So it's important to acknowledge that and ask for the support that you need. and Take the support that you need. I had a wonderful day also alongside this emotional revelation, which I'm very grateful for. Some other wonderful revelations came my way from the Sustainable Entrepreneurship Dream Team. I loved hearing about all their visions for the future for Aurokanoi. It was very inspiring to see how everybody, of course, and their unique consciousness had birthed these beautiful strategies for us at Otokunoi to make them better. It's so wonderful. I also had a great time today with Anderson's Bay Community Kindergarten and I love the fact that the children were able to really really connect with everything that we did and they really really enjoyed playing with the rocks on the ground, putting their hands in the water, feeding a duck that came along some meat it was meant for Waimādīyīl, the and they were just completely immersed in what they were doing, which was wonderful to see. And I was very grateful that the or the teachers that were with them, really supported this approach and allowed them to be totally immersed. And I was so grateful for the opportunity to work with this kindergarten and experience that form of supportive teaching, because often we have a sense that we need to rush and see all aspects of the eco-sanctuary and the small time that we have allotted to us but it's wonderful for the children to be able to really take their time and enjoy connecting with what was around them. So I think for all of us at the moment it's great if we can give each other the opportunity to rest and relax to be open, to be vulnerable to share what we need and also feel really free to share our creative ideas our visions for the future and... I hope that for you, you are being encouraged, you are being congratulated, you are being praised, you are being supported, whatever it is that you're choosing to share. And I hope that just like the beautiful people I was able to connect with today, you're really enjoying immersing yourself in these wonderful moments of connection that we can find each day. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Kakiti.
1: So... Of all the changes we've seen over the last few months, mm. what do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick?
2: <laughs> um, hygiene. I <laughs> hope will <laughs> <hope> stick. <laughs> um, yeah, and I hope that will stick. I think what I also hope will stick is um, the fact that people, that there's a bit more trust maybe, that that people can work for themselves, by themselves, and succeed. Um, and also perhaps that, um, you know, sometimes we have to be more self-sufficient and that there's an important part there to say uh, you can't just rely on the world to support you. Sometimes you have to think a bit ahead and be self-sufficient. Yeah, you don't have to go out and buy all the, all the toilet rolls at the nearest shop that's not self-sufficiency. But thinking about what you need and what you do and thinking carefully about what you really need, not just everything. Because if, if we take that one lesson away, that will have an effect on, on, on the environment that we live in a lot of other things. One of the things I worried about when, when this whole thing came about was um, where do we get our medicine from? Where do we get some of the very essential things in New Zealand. Where, where do they come from? In
1: this disruption, those systems haven't fallen over. No. But we don't know what the next disruption is. The next disruption could be that the logistics
2: system falls over. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so my first worry was, will the logistics keep on working? You know, um, Will the planes keep on flying that, that need to bring things in quickly? Just an example... You know, people tend to forget, but we use um, radionuclides in, uh, in medicine all over the world. Where do you think the, the, those sources for the radioactive materials that we use in, in medicine come from? They're not made in New Zealand. Some of them are not even made in Australia. They come from France. So if there's, a, if there's trouble in Hong Kong... You know, we can't get this stuff in time. We can't do breast screening for certain things. We can't do breast surgery for cancer patients. That's terrible. So We need to think about, um, you know, we, 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 were, we rushed headlong into the global thing. That was great. Now we need to think, okay, there's the global thing. What if it gets disrupted? And this thing was a, an early flag for us to mm-hmm. say, what if... Another thing comes along. We, now is a good time to think about that logistic side of things, the self-sufficiency.
1: People are calling this a reset. Some people are saying that what we need is a recovery. Some people are saying, no, not a recovery, something else. What are you seeing as the, the opportunity
2: Maybe it's a combination of things, you know. Maybe there's a bit of a reset. Uh, maybe there's a regrowth. Um, but the, the question is, you know, growth implies certain things. Reset implies certain things. Reset could be we start from scratch, and you know, it's like a computer; it goes back to its original state after the reset. That's not possible, and it's not just growth, because the plant has been hurt in many ways. Maybe there's a different way now that will come along and I have no idea what that could look like. I would hope it's different but what that would be I don't know.
1: Let's have Flock of Hearts by Phoenix. have some questions to end the show with and we have to be quick what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years
2: well i've survived up to this point um i think that's a huge thing um no i i I don't count successes really sam you must know me by now um, it's on the list. Uh, that might be, but I, I, don't, I don't think about successes in that way. I think about things that, that we do because it is important. So we're writing
1: a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. Mm-hmm. So you're on the team. What's
2: the superpower that's got you into our mansion? That scooter. How to stay on top of that scooter with, with one leg and not bump into things and fall over and not get up again, yes, that's a superpower. I tell you now, I can tell you that um people that have had the opportunity to to go on one leg without legs in even in in any form, mind temporary uh will tell you that um that's a superpower to get along the world if you know where everybody is rushing in a car on a bus on a bike on a scooter, and here you come and you limp along or you have to find your way around the stairs and they are then you know it's all difficult that's a superpower to have to deal with those things and i've got a just a smidgen of that experience now <laughs> do you know that most people have below an average number of legs <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes yes sorry no it's above it's above i'll do it again it's it's above do you know that most people have an above average number of legs
0: It's hilarious either way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No, no. I think I've said to uh, to many people before. I don't. I don't think I'm an activist. Um, I'm an active thinker, and I'm an active doer. But I'm not an activist necessarily.
1: Um, so, what motivates you?
2: Um, seeing other people reaching dreams reaching their dreams and getting there um and i was part of that that motivates me and what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so getting to melbourne getting to melbourne that's a challenge no uh in in the son in melbourne my son is in melbourne yep and uh they expecting their first baby so yeah that's you know, I'm, I'm thinking about learning about swimming long distance and <laughs> things like that. Now, I think the, um, yeah, challenges. You know, Sam, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we can do around um, getting people to think differently in terms of how they practice their work, and that brings me back to the work that, that I'm um, very privileged to do here. Um, and I think there's, there's incredible scope to shift the way that people think and do in society in general by changing the way that they practice um, the work that they do every day for a living. Uh, That's where we can bring about a huge amount of change, and I I see that as an opportunity for me to do more and a challenge to really do something new in that space.
1: And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
2: yeah um don't expect easy answers sometimes it's it's just as simple as that um rely on on the hunches sometimes that you have and um be kind to your family and and your friends thank you very much for that Mawera sitting beside me
0: um it's nice to be sitting beside you actually it's really lovely it's eh? so nice um uh, I, I really think you have planted a seed for change in the way that we deliver science. I think that I hope people hear that and it's something that I'm going to go and talk to a lot of people about. Thank you for that. That Thank was you, really, really helpful.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Let's go out to Pink Floyd. Wish you were here. Or there, in the case of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Indeed.
3: No, which is it? Isn't. I'm not sure of it. Bye.
1: You here. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, Positive Conversations with People in Their Bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. We've had a contribution today from Tahoe McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann with Moira Karatai and Hank Root, all of us in Dunedin. We hope you enjoyed the show.